This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, for the last week or two, there have been uh, scandals or so-called scandals, mostly relating to Fine Gael. Damien English, junior minister, had to resign for what was uh, a serious matter indeed. And Pascal Donoghue, former minister for finance and the main man in Europe. Uh, he's uh, head of the Eurogroup, chair of the Eurogroup of finance ministers and a very, very capable politician indeed. Uh, he has spent uh, much of the last week fielding questions that Sinn Féin principally and other social democrats uh, say they want answered. And we're joined now by Fanon Sheehan. Fanon is Ireland editor of independent newspapers and uh, we're going to talk, Fanon, first, and thank you very much for joining us, about an opinion poll, Behaviour and Attitudes opinion poll yesterday, which showed that, uh, not surprisingly in my view, among other things, Micheál Martin is the most popular party leader in the country at 51%. Sinn Féin at 34% in the party poll. Fine Fáil, 25%. Fine Gael, uh, minus four points down to 19%, um, and the rest more or less as they were. The approval rating for Michal Martin, Finan, um, is interesting because we're led to believe by some uh, media that his party are after his head uh, now that he's no longer Taoiseach. Um, does that number surprise you, the fact that he is the most popular party leader in the country? And are they really out to get him? Well, it, it would appear that the, the the arc on Michal Martin changed quite dramatically during his his time as as Taoiseach. He he grew on people, yes. uh, quite substantially. Maybe his party didn't benefit from that, but people took the view that Michal Martin uh, was doing a good job. He'd put a a pretty stable government together. Uh, he was leader of that, and he wasn't seen to be. A destabilizing force, quite the opposite. He was a, a a unifying force within that government, willing to take tough decisions. Sacked one cabinet minister, uh, a second cabinet minister, resigning rather uh, abruptly, and then he had a, a junior ministerial resignation towards towards the end uh, as well. So he wasn't someone who, who allowed uh, emotion to get in the way of what he viewed as being. Uh, in the national interest. People also got to know Michal Martin better. It's strange, you can be around politics for an, an awfully long time and Michal Martin is 
uh, from the mid eighties and from the mid nineties, he was uh, he was a cabinet minister yes. under under Bertie Hearn and Brian Cowan, decade and a half. You're leader of the opposition then uh, for ten years, but it's only when you become Taoiseach that people actually get to know you, uh, your personal story, his own working class uh, background, yes, uh, coming from a regular job, and also the tragedies that that his own that his family yes. under under took lo- losing two children. Is, is a horrifying experience. And I think people came to admire the fact that here was a man who who showed that uh, events in his personal life did very definitely have an impact on him, uh, on, on, his, on his outlook uh, on life, but that he was a, a, a committed parliamentarian and, and politician. And I think that's ultimately why people, it, it's very much a personal endorsement of Michal Martin, because obviously at the same time, the three coalition parties are by no means uh, flying. Fianna Fáil are showing no signs of any uh, rejuvenation since the last uh, general election. But people were just looking at this man and going, yeah, I admire what he does. Yeah, a thoroughly decent man. And I suppose his leadership through COVID and his, as you said there earlier, uh, Finan, the general vibe of him was of a thoroughly decent man who was uh, tolerant and who found uh, the right note, if you like, to strike during the COVID period when so many people were suffering for one reason or another, whether it was their job at risk, their business at risk or their health at risk. Michael Martin took over at an extraordinarily difficult time because the overarching COVID-19 pandemic policy had been decided uh, under Fine Gael and, and Leo Varadkar when they were a, a caretaker government uh, when the pandemic took hold uh, in March. It it delayed as a result the formation uh, of that government. Michal went in and that opening month, everybody will remember a, a, a very chaotic period uh, going to two ministers uh, for agriculture. Yes. It seemed that Fianna Fáil, uh, the Fianna Fáil organisation was up in arms about the notion of being of of being in government, yet they had with with other the Fine, Fine Gael and the Green Party, even though they had overwhelmingly endorsed uh, Michal Martin to go into that with a with a a, a poll uh, or a, a vote of of party members. So I think it was more the people he appointed to cabinet, the people he didn't appoint to ministerial office, and the subsequent departures and arrivals caused a, a lot of irritation. And there were people who were constantly in the background willing to have a go at, at Michal Martin and the, his internal critics were his harshest critics. But I suppose he has always been a, a, a person who isn't, doesn't take the view that, you know, you look to tomorrow, you look down the line, you, you, you stick to your, your plan and you believe that, that people will, uh, will, will be won over at the end of the day. You know, if you go back to his, his time as, as Fianna Fáil, uh, leader in in opposition took over b- before the, the twenty eleven meltdown. Didn't really have a problem with doing that, though, considering there were other very senior figures in the party who disappeared off the scene, including some who suddenly yes. had medical ailments that nobody knew anything about <laughs> up until that that minute. Yes. Suddenly, they had been incapacitated for the previous decade and a half in government and were were bravely soldiering on despite this enormous pain that they were going through. And this was this was remarkable. So Michal Martin took over. Uh, he also had to bear in mind the, the death of of Brian Lenehan at that time meant that yes. a very experienced figure lost to his, to his party, and he built them back up. And he saw his plan was 
you look to the local elections, you look to the following general election, and you look and the big setback, I suppose, that he had was that coming into the 2020 general election, uh, it was predicted that he would do very well, and he yes. didn't do so, and he lost ground, and that's when the internal critics. Uh, came back out, but he stuck to plan going 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 through government. You've seen wins, I suppose, on all sides. Finnegale can can point to budgetary measures on taxation. The the Green Party can point to the climate action plan uh, and taking measures there. And Fianna Fáil will will turn and say, look at the additional funding that we have secured for uh, housing, health, and education. They are our portfolios, and that's where we are willing to say to people, we are achieving in government. On the numbers published yesterday in the Behaviour and Attitudes poll, uh, Finon, is it possible Sinn Féin 34%, Fianna Fáil 25%, Fianna Gael down to 19 Is it possible to see uh, a new government out of those numbers when the next election is called, which admittedly is uh, quite some way, uh, two and a half years, I think, away? Well, you can still see that it is quite possible on on figures like that. Now, different polls tell you different things. That the current government could be returned as ample uh, yes. support uh, there between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, and the Greens, and you 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 could still look to some of the smaller parties and independents as well have a have a four uh, four party coalition. So, you know, all hope is is not lost there if you were in government. Sinn Féin, though, will, based on figures like that, if that is pattern is to continue through to the next general election, will very much be the largest party in the next doll. They yes. will therefore be the party that people will look to and say, listen, it's up to you now to, to form a, a, a government here, given the numbers that you have. But they'll still be well short. If you're hitting 34%, you're going to be in the the sixty to sixty five seat bracket. Come then, you know, at the moment you need about eighty. Come the next general election, we're going to have extra extra dull seats, so you're going to need eighty five to ninety TDs to to form a government. So they're going to be well short, and you'd have to say based on those figures, they'll be well short of even putting a coalition together with smaller parties as they tried to do last time uh, in twenty twenty. <laughs> Not exactly. A coalition material, are they? No, this is this is going to be the difficulty. I mean, they're, they, they're, it's it's their way or the highway. Yeah, they're they're still going to need uh, either Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil to go into government with them. Now, Fine Gael are are pretty much crystal clear uh, on this one. Insofar as a party can be before a, a general election, when they turn around and say the complete opposite afterwards. But Leo Varadkar saying, I, yes. "I will leave. I will resign from Fine Gael rather than going into government." Uh, with Sinn Féin and there's not exactly anybody in uh, else in Fine Gael who's advocating such a policy and, and suggesting that sure, we need to keep an open mind on this. So you'd imagine Fine Gael are going to go into the next general election quite clearly telling the public we aren't going into government with Sinn Féin you should ask the other parties that question and then make up your own mind. With, with Fianna Fáil, Michal Martin is saying he's keeping that open mind he's not ruling out going into to coalition with, with anybody. Quite clearly his preference is not to go in with, with Sinn Féin. I think uh, his approach to Sinn Féin has been, been quite clear over the last uh, couple of years that he does not regard them as coalition partners. But he's not, going to have, he's not going to be hamstrung going into the next general election in terms of limiting his options. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, uh, the scandals of uh, the last uh, week and a half, Fanon, Damien English, junior minister, had been around for a very long time. He lied about a house he owned or forgot about it. He had to go, didn't he? Or am I misreading this? But he uh, was looking for planning permission and on the form, uh, he didn't mention that he already had a house. Yeah, so look, he was looking to build a, a rural one-off house in a situation like that. The planning authorities will will take into regard uh, your need and your 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 necessity and association with with family. And you can say, look, I want to build this house because it's near my family and and so on. Uh, one of the the criteria is that you don't have existing accommodation uh, available to you. He didn't tick that box uh, on on the form, basically uh, saying that he didn't have another house when he had already did. He wasn't just renting a house. He had actually bought a house uh, as well at that stage. This this dates back. It's hard to uh, forget about a house, isn't it? It is. And, and basically filling out a, a form like that is a is a, a fairly basic criteria. There is some sympathy for him within, within Fine Gael. There's people yeah. saying, oh, well, look, sure, this is a decade and a half ago. However, others, I think, in the Fine Gael leadership have said, look, this was very clear cut. He was a Fine Gael TD at that time. 
He became a Fine Gael TD in 2002. He's there 20 years, uh, never really, you know, never addressed this issue over that time. So once it became apparent that not only was there an issue around uh, owning a house and whether there was an adequate declaration there, but the fact that he hadn't uh, filled out a planning application accurately, I think within the Fine Gael hierarchy, they were quite clear uh, he's, he's going to have to go on this one. Right. Now, the big... Uh, scandal, quote-unquote, of last week involved Pascal Donoghue, formerly Minister for Finance, now Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform, and is the chair of the European Group of Finance Ministers, which is a very prestigious and important job in Brussels. I'm looking at this and thinking of scandals of the past, which involved large sums of money and all kinds of things. This appears to be small beer. Um, and I'm not sure that it's a scandal at all. Um, could you put me right? I, I mean, this is a man, a businessman, Michael Stone. He used to hurl for Dublin. He's a friend of Pascal Donahue's. He put up some posters. Uh, and I think Pascal also bought some raffle tickets at the election. The whole thing uh, looks small beer, really. Am I missing something? You're missing the law. Uh, I'm afraid, Eamon, uh, <laughs> the law, the law that was put in place as a result of political scandals in in the 1990, where there was, it was seen that there was too much of a cosy relationship between certain senior politicians and certain senior business figures, and that there were all sorts of of transactions took place at that stage, and favors done. We're talking about the big corporate beasts of the past, aren't we? And we won't name we won't name names. But you're tra- you're talking about not so much the big corporate beasts of the past. You're talking about people who held offices similar to the level that Pascal Donahue is, yes. is at now in in the government. So legislation was put in place uh, at that time to ensure that the general public would have uh, confidence in the political system. And that, in effect, as people say, they're not, they're all at it. Well, no, they're not all at it. And yes. here's a, a, a transparent system that, that shows that they're not. It was actually brought in. It was a demand of, of effectively Dick Spring when he was in government, both with Fianna Fáil and subsequently Fine Gael, and brought in under uh, Fine Gael, the electoral acts. And there have been amendments over the years, but not enough you'd have to say, at that time, uh, over, the, over that period. And also what came in, let's, let's not forget this. The electoral acts do not just set down a form-filling system for politicians where they have to declare this, that, and the other, and every time they spend two bob 50, they have to keep a, keep a receipt for it. We, the taxpayer, are the largest donors to the political system because yes. a decision was taken at that time. Look, we need to get away from parties having to fundraise all the time just to be able to run their party headquarters and their party operations. So a system was brought in uh, to, to fund uh, the, the party political system in a democratic way, based on how many votes you get at a general election, based on the number of TDs and senators that you elect. So we, we put in about 12 million a year into that pot as the taxpayers. It's divided out amongst the parties. Fine Gael get about 3 million to run their uh, their 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 party operation, and then any money that they fundraise goes into their, their election pot. So there is that system in place. So when people in Fine Gael are now complaining that actually there's a whole lot of forms to fill out, you kind of turn around and go to them, yeah, it's a law that you put in place, 
and you benefit from it as well on the financial side. So if you want to rip up that law, you're in government, that's up to you, no problem. But we'll take our money back as well as the taxpayer because we were, to- we were being told that as a result of us subsidising the political system, uh, it is dramatically cleaned up and the relationships that we saw between politics and business in the past can't be repeated. However, right. having said that, it would appear Pascal Donoghue's errors here, which are now to be investigated by the state ethics watchdog under legislation, whereby he didn't declare election expenses uh, quite quite categorically. There also would appear to be problems around the declaration uh, of donations, which have to be investigated. They'd appear to be on the minor side. So Pascal Donoghue is largely speaking being given a pass. Uh, nobody is calling for his resignation. Nobody has tabled a motion of no confidence in him. What the opposition are saying is there are legitimate questions here about a system of transparency and accountability that is put in place for every politician in the land. There isn't an exception just because you're the, you're the Minister for Finance and you're a senior figure in Fine Gael, and therefore you have to answer these questions. But yeah, you'd have to say it's quite an up and down week for Pascal Donoghue. He's at the, yes, the Eurogroup the other day. He's laughing and joking with Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank and the other finance ministers. And then he's back in Dublin the following day explaining, does a van cost 140 quid or 200 quid to rent for a couple of days seven years ago? Yes, and uh, it has to be said that he admitted to SIPO, which is the the watchdog, that 1,057 euros uh, had been left unaccounted for in his declaration after the 2016 election. Uh, uh, Christine Lagarde, by the way, was involved in the scandal involving 400 million euros with uh, uh, Mr. Sarkozy when he was president. So Pascal would be in the halfpenny place. <laughs> Quite literally in the, in the halfpenny place. When, yeah. when you look what's going on over in the UK at, at, at the moment, and again, in relation to Boris Johnson's loans and tax, tax affairs, yeah. this is quite literally in, in the, in the halfpenny place. And I think that's largely speaking why a hullabaloo has been made of it, but nobody is saying he should have to go over this because there would be wide-ranging consequences both for the country and the government uh, if if he was to have to to resign, uh, for example, Pascal Donoghue is actually our most powerful politician. It's not really Leo yes. Varadkar as Taoiseach. It's not Michal Martin as, as Tarnished. It's not Mary Lou as leader of the opposition. It's Pascal Donoghue because he has access uh, to yes. the, the corridors of power. He has got every finance minister in Europe on speed dial. Uh, he was able to influence the outcome uh, of Ireland's negotiations with the OECD. Uh, around the the effect the, the surrender tax, of yes. our, our low corporation tax and and joining a a, a unified system um, because he was the the Europe the, the the Eurogroup president it was viewed that he had a greater level of influence there uh, he's sitting at that at the head of that very powerful table so that's why he is such a significant figure for Ireland and also within the government if Pascal Donoghue goes you're then left with Leo Varadkar kind of running riot on his own without any counterfoil to him. Right. And as we've seen in the last month, he's not averse to picking fights. He's already yeah. snubbed Dara O'Brien, the housing minister. He's babysat Stephen Donnelly, the health minister. He told his own party last week when the general election was going to be, and then said afterwards, oh yeah, but I'd have to talk to Michal and, and Eamon about that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Vradkar is, go- is going to continue to be a divisive figure. Accident he's not prone. great at, at building trust. And Pascal Dunne, who is seen 
as kind of the ameliorating figure uh, within Fine Gael who keeps the, the lines of communications open with Fianna Fáil and the Green Party. And has been a very successful Minister for Finance. He's swapped jobs now, but he was a very successful, it seems, Minister for Finance. Well, the the, the rather large uh, and excessive uh, yes. surplus that we had in the executive returns would, it, would imply so largely speaking based on, on corporations. Look, he had his critics about his own economic policy, but his mantra going into the last general election was it, it, it wasn't a time to be, be throwing open the coffers. Uh, it was a, a time to, to be prudent, uh, that you needed to, to keep in mind that a rainy day could come. And sure enough, six weeks later, COVID-19 happened. And his argument was we were then able to, to dramatically increase our amount of expenditure at a time when our income was coming down because we had been prudent and sensible over, over the previous decade. Yes, now he is the, the Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform. And it is important, of course, that he does the right thing. And there may be, as you said, as suggested, you know, some wrongdoing here. For example, um, he admitted in recent days that he w- bought €1,700 Euros worth of tickets for Fine Gael's draw, or he sold them, rather, to his businessman friend, Michael Stone. Michael Stone also, as I said, he's a successful businessman. He has served in an inner city project in Pascal Donoghue's constituency. They are said to be good friends. The Minister for Finance attended Michael Stone's wedding uh, last year. So what does he have to do now? We we understand he's going to address the doll again. He refused to answer questions about the last election. That's the 2020 election. And Sinn Féin in particular have been relentless in their sort of questioning of him and the suggestion that he better get his act together, uh, otherwise he's not fit to be there. Where is he now? What does he have to do and can we live with him as things stand? Yeah, so what we know as of now, uh, Pascal Donoghue is in the 2020 general election. Michael Stone, who runs a, a large engineering firm that is involved in, in the construction sector, gave him a dig out, uh, so to speak, in, in putting up his posters. He, he provided uh, workers and a van uh, across four days, six workers helping putting Pascal Donoghue's posters up. And the value that's been attributed to, to, to all this, as you say, is about 1,100 quid. That, that election expense uh, was effectively also a donation. Uh, the, the election expense was, was not declared as you, were, as you were required to do yes. under the ethics law, and neither was there any, any donation uh, declared here. What now appears to be the case is that Something similar happened in the 2020 general election, and it's up to Pascal Donoghue to clarify right. to what extent that was. Again, there was no election expense declared there. It may well have been under uh, donation declaration limits. So we're waiting to see what clarity he brings to that. He's then going to have to answer uh, questions from the opposition uh, about how on earth it is that somebody who is in such a senior uh, position as himself forgets or doesn't know uh, about this assistance that is provided uh, by a businessman and his firm uh, over two general elections, and was this 
was this more, was it conspiracy or cock-up? On the Fine Gael side, people are basically arguing, look, this was a bit of a cock-up. It was a bit chaotic. There wasn't, nobody was clear on who was putting the posters up. Pascal didn't know about it at the time. Uh, and he's been gathering this information over the course of the last week, effectively saying that last Wednesday when he addressed it all uh, and outlined uh, the, 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 the situation with the 2016 general election, that he didn't know what had been done in the 2020 general election and that he spent the last week getting every single bit of minutiae. He'll put it out there. He'll put it on the record of the doll. He'll take questions from the opposition. He'll furnish all of this information to the Standards of Public Office Commission, which has now received a complaint on this matter and will have to look into it uh, either in an informal matter and do a quite quick report on it or do a full formal investigation, uh, which they can also do. Uh, under their legislation, and they will come back with a ruling. And if, in effect, he's putting his hands up on the election expenses side and saying that he didn't declare it. Uh, so you'd imagine the Public Office Commission will have to come back uh, with some sort of ruling in that regard, and they will look into the donations matter because one of the accusations that is, is being made against him is that conveniently the sums of money involved here uh, fall under donations thresholds and therefore, the suggestion is that it has been made on the floor of the doll that there is reverse engineering going on here and that the true figures have not been provided. OK, and he needs to satisfy that when he addresses... I don't think he, he, he doesn't need... He's not going to be able to answer every single last bit of questioning from the opposition. There's no way. There'll yeah. always be some former questions and, you know, how many posters did you put up and where did you get the cable ties from and... Or they yeah. plastic or or they plastic or recyclable cable ties and so on and so forth. Grand. But he's gonna to have to satisfactorily show that he's engaging with the opposition and seeking to answer such questions. And then he's gonna to have to reassure the House as well, look, this is all of the information and I'm providing all of it to the to the to the relevant body. And he'll also the point will be made the doll is not the relevant body here to investigate this matter. Uh the Standards and Public Office Commission is. And ultimately if you go back and a decade ago, the public don't want the doll to be the relevant body to investigate such matters. On yes. the day that Michael D. Higgins first became president, there was a vote that same day on providing the Iraqis with greatest powers, greater powers of investigation. And the public said, no, we don't trust right. them. We don't want them having <laughs> uh, the, the busybody powers to come kicking in my door and, and, and looking through my, my personal accounts. Uh, right. So we don't trust TDs that they won't be too partisan. So that's what Pascal Dunhu needs to do. He needs he needs to be at least seen to be engaging with the, with the range of issues that have come up. Now he didn't do that, that that last week. He was quite he was quite formal and selective in the language that he used. Right. He didn't answer the questions that were being put to him, particularly about the twenty twenty general election. So he gets a chance to rectify that uh, tomorrow. Yeah, he does, and and then it gets kicked on, and and I would predict. With the, with, with the past history of the Senators Public Office Commission, we won't hear about this again for quite some time because they tend to be slight, quite slow and very deliberative in their in their proceedings. And Pascal Dunn, who may well be done as Minister of Public Expenditure and Chair of the Eurogroup by the time any report uh, comes out here. OK, Finan, we're very, very grateful to you indeed. Finan Sheehan is one of the best journalists in the country and he is Ireland editor of independent newspapers, and we're always very happy to uh, have him on the stand. Thank you, Finan. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.